0: Right, well, for those that don't know me, I'm Mike, and um, normally I'm playing guitar, but today I get the privilege to speak to you all, and thank you, thanks for the whistle over there, it's good. Right, so today I want to speak um, about something called check your lenses. So you may see some different lenses here on this is what I'm talking about, check your lenses, your, your glasses, check your glasses. So recently I got a new set of glasses. And I know there's not everyone in the room has ever had a set of prescription glasses, but let me tell you a little something about prescription glasses. I didn't get these because I wanted a new style. I needed them because I, it was about five years since I had my last prescription. And I've been working, I work a lot from a computer, so I'm straining my eyes, getting some headaches, and I'm like, yeah, I really need to get some new glasses because it's not doing any good for me. So I went down, good old Specsavers, yes, I went there, and they got, um, I did the prescription, and it had changed a little bit. But I got my new glasses, and I was like, right, two things are going to happen once I get my glasses. And for those that have ever had new prescription glasses, you will know that you expect two things. Number one, you're going to have clearer vision. But number two, you're going to get a headache, has anyone in the room ever had new prescription glasses and goes like, yeah, I've got a headache? Okay, yeah. So and the reason is your eyes are not adjusted to the new lens. So this morning I want to leave you with two things. I'm gonna leave you with a headache and clearer vision, all right? Okay, but equally, if you wear sunglasses, hands up who's worn sunglasses in the room. Oh, come on, I thought there'd be more than that, no. <laughs> okay. Also, if you've got sunglasses and you have been outside, let's say it's summer, um, you might have sunscreen on, you may have been sweating, and that stuff starts running on the lens and it gets a bit blurry and mucky and you're like, oh, I've got to clean these because you can't see properly. Once they get blurry, you cannot see properly. And so this is what it's about today. It's about checking your lenses. These are some of my running glasses, You see, and what's cool about these is you throw in different colors for based on what you're doing. So sometimes you also may want to change the type of lens that you have and the way you see things in this world. So if it is, if I'm going to be running in the, let's say, Up Toys Challenge, somewhere around there through all of the trees, I'm going to put in these yellow glasses because it brightens everything up. And it makes it a lot easier to see where the roots and that where you're walking. Because that brightens things up. If I'm running by the river and it's like super bright, I'm going to wear something that's pretty mirrored and it's going to really stop a lot of the glare. Don't know what these are for. These are just plain safety glasses probably. But who cares? They came with a pack. Um, And then these are sort of more your normal. But that's the cool thing about lenses. You can change based on the environment that you're in. And so that could be, some, it could be a word for someone today that, hold on, let's just think of the environment that I'm in today is going to depend on the type of glasses that I put on. And I want to start by reading, um, talking a little bit about Moses. So here's the history of Moses. He was born in Israel, and he was brought up in the house of Pharaoh. So for 40 years, he lived in the palace. You know, you've got to think, all of his people, the Israelites, are slaves. He's living in Pharaoh's house. You know, he's got the wine, he's having the caviar, he's got the champagne. It's an entire different life compared to those that are working um, building pyramids or whatever they were building at that time, cities. They were the slaves building mud bricks. So here is um, Moses in the house of Pharaoh. And what's happened is he went out to his people he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Israelites. And, he, and it's so funny in the Bible. It clearly says this. It says, he stopped and he looked around. Is anyone watching me? And he said, if in the, he looked around. No one was watching him. So he went and killed the guy. You know, it's a nice start for this amazing, uh, you know, Moses that we hear about in the, in the Bible. He went and killed the guy who was beating um, one of his fellow Israelites. And then he hid the body in the sand while no one was watching. But the next day, of course, everybody knew about it, how they did. So Pharaoh knew about it. Moses was like, hightailed it out of there, left Egypt, went across the Midian, and he lived in the desert, he got married, and he's a shepherd. So that's the brief history of Moses. And so what's happened and at this point, he's now about 80 years old, 80 years young, very young, 80 years young. And I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 3, and I'm trying to remember, there we go, from verse 2. So he was tending the flocks, and he said, There the angel, angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was a gulf in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. I thought he already would have been seeing it if he could see it, but he had to go closer anyway. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Now, it goes through, God then gives a promise of what he wants Moses to do. He says, hey, I'm going to release the people, and then we're going to jump forward to verse 10. God saying, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before the Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I'll be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? You see, there's a whole lot of questions in this passage. Think of all the questions that's been asked. And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I've been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians have been treating you. And then he leaves the promise that they'll go into the new land. And if you haven't been here the last three weeks, I'd highly recommend going and listen to Sam's last three messages about taking the land, which is exactly what it, um, this leads him to. So there are three fantastic messages. Now we're going to jump through to the next few verses on in Exodus chapter 4. Verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, the Lord said. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. Then the Lord said to him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out, grabbed it and turned and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. And then the Lord showed him another miracle where he put his hand inside his coat, pulled it out, and it was, had leprosy. He put it back in, and it was completely, pulled it out again, and it was completely whole. So that was the two miracles. And we're going to jump through to verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I've never been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. And the Lord replied to Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether God, whether people speak or do not speak? Whether they hear or do not hear? Whether they see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. He's really telling him off now. Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I'll instruct you in what to say. But Moses pleaded again. Lord, please send anyone else. And then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokespeople, spokesman to the people. He will, take your, he will be your mouthpiece and he will stand in the place of God for him, telling him, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So that's up. That's the full story there. But here's the problem. Moses had an identity challenge. Every time that God said something to him, he went straight back with, I am not. He went back with, I am not, I can't speak, I get tongue-tied, I can't do this, I can't do that, no, please send someone, anyone else. God's speaking to him, and he's just heading back with argument after argument after argument. The lens in Moses' glasses were pretty blurry. He had the wrong prescription. He couldn't see who God had called him to be. He could see himself at that current stage, but he couldn't see who God called him to be. And you can think of the stories in the Bible that you go, wow, Moses, pretty epic guy, parts of the Red Sea, all of that. That came a long time after this moment. He had to accept who God had called him to be before anything could happen. And we go, well, how does that relate to my life? You know, I'm not ready to go and part the Whoketani River river, um, with my, uh, I don't know, (laughs) flax that I throw, and it goes, right? Is that something that God's called us to do? Maybe he has, but maybe it could be the simple thing. He's asked you to go and speak to someone. He's asked you to go and help a friend. He's asked you maybe to start a ministry. He's asked you, hey, could you go and help the poor? He's asked you, what about a new career path? I've got something more for you. There's lots of questions that God may have asked you personally. And what comes back to is we're often prepared to say, who am I? We've got plenty of good excuses to say why we can't do it. If you look at um, Gideon, Gideon was a great example Um, In Judges 6, we're not going to read that right now, but in Judges 6, the angel comes to him, Hey, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And he goes, What? I'm not a mighty hero. I'm the weakest guy in the clan. Oh, my family's this, my family's that. I can't do that. I don't have this upbringing. I can't do that. Everything that God said about him, he tried to negate. You have a calling on your life. You have something that's specifically unique to you. But if our lens is blurred, if we've got the wrong prescription on, we cannot clearly see who God's called us to be. And it's really important that while we see our weaknesses, God sees our potential. While we see our weaknesses, God sees our potential. When an artist buys a canvas, okay, in the room, who's ever painted something, even if it's, you know, when you're two years old? Come on, finger painting, anything. Right. So when, when an artist goes to buy a canvas, they don't go to, you know, Kmart. Well, let's say we all go to Kmart and buy a canvas at Kmart. It's way cheaper, just in case you didn't know. Um, you buy a canvas. You don't get at home and rip the packaging off, or you unroll the canvas and look at it and go, oh, my goodness, it's empty. It's blank. I'm going to refund it. When you buy a canvas, you want it blank because that's the foundation of a masterpiece. When God looks at our lives, He doesn't see what's not there, He sees what will be there. He'll see that you are a canvas that something can be created on as long as we're following what God has called us to be. Hey, Let's be amazing blank canvases. We can be the best blank canvases because God can start just putting those fine pencil lines on. He can start drawing the outline of something on your heart. He can colour it in over time, and it is a long process. But this comes back to the point it's the lens of how we see ourselves. And it's all about our identity. So, current culture. Everybody is craving for trying to figure out who they are. And I've got an answer why this is such a big problem. I'll tell you in a second. But people are looking. They spend a lot of money, a lot of effort. They'll spend so much time searching because we all want to be part of something. We want to be part of a group. You know, And the definition of identity is identity refers to our sense of who we are as individuals and as members of social groups. So we want to find our identity based on culture. It might be race. It might be our sporting code. It might be our hobbies. You know, we were looking for something. I might go, hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a marathon runner. Okay? I might be, hi, I'm Mike, and I'm a guitarist. We're trying to find an identity in something. It's like, hey, Levi, he's, he's a drummer right there. See, we'll we, we find our identity in something of, that we want to be. And often if you meet someone new, people are often wanting to describe, they're trying to place you. Okay, where do you fit? What's your identity? What's your job? What's this? What's that? And very often we're not finding who we really are. We're looking for something that's put on us. And all of those things, the identities that we form about ourselves, they are all shadows of the real thing. They're all shadows of our real identity. So why I said I had an answer is why there's such an identity problem in the world. Here's the reason why there's a massive identity issue. It's because every day I'm being asked to clarify that I am me, right? Every time you pick up your phone, your phone is looking at you saying, is it going to unlock your phone? Because are you really you? (laughs) Your fingerprint, is that really you? okay, is, is that really you? It's like you fill out a form online and it goes, um, are you a robot? And it's like a robot is telling me, asking me, am I a robot? It's like, well, I'm not, but are you? You know, Can we ask the question back? I'm being challenged. You call up the bank. You log into your account or your IRD or anything and you start being asked questions. All right, okay. You know, they ask you, you call up on the phone, who are you? Well, it's me. Well, no, but who, who are you? You know, well, it's, it's me. It's me calling about me. And they go, okay, what's your date of birth? You know, What's your first pet's name? Um, what's your favorite food? Um, where did you grow up? What was your first school? You go through all of these security questions, and then by the end, I'm like going, hold on, is it really me? Am I the person to speak on behalf of me? I get questioned about my identity. Is that true? You know, you think we're constantly being questioned, who are you? And so you go, okay, right? And then we stop and we think, well, who am I really? Am I the right person? Am I this? Am I that? And what I love is that God is the only one who doesn't question your identity, right? God is the only one who doesn't ask who you are. He's the only one who doesn't question it. And why is that? Because he made you to be who you are. And he sees you as the most unique human being in this entire world. And that's a gift that, you know, we get questioned of who we are. No, God made us to be who we were created to be. And in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no, none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. You know, he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He knows you inside and out. We can try and hide our weaknesses, but he totally knows our weaknesses. But he knows even more what our potential is. And our identity is a gift from God. Our identity is such a gift to go, right, God has made me who I am. And that's been something that I've struggled with a lot. You know, even as from, I can remember being a teenager, and I had no reason to try and figure, you know, to question my identity. Am I good enough? I was very pessimistic, didn't think anything of myself. And then you try and do things because that's to try and help you find who you are, but it never works. We do things to try and form an identity, but God says, no, I form you and I knew knew you before you were born. What we do doesn't impact our identity. We are who we we are. We're not what we do. You know, we are who we are and i had no reason to have low self esteem or to be really shy you know i had a loving family i was brought up there was nothing more that my family could do to create and help me with my identity it was a journey that i had to go through and i would still go through preparing for this message you no idea how hard this was to actually prepare for this because i was struggling it's like oh well, who am i to speak to all of these amazing people You know, who am I to even say this? Why is God using my voice? You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to take it says in God's Word. I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled like I was quoting Moses, of course. (laughs) But, you know, I was speaking God's Word. No, But my problem was I was saying exactly what Moses had. And I was thinking, how can I speak? How can I speak about identity? I don't know who I am. But actually, I do know who I am in Christ. In this world, we may never get to know who we are exactly or what we're supposed to do. It's all part of our journey, and it's an amazing journey. And I think what's awesome about finding who we are is that once we know that we are children of the King of all kings, everything falls underneath it. It's not about you know, trying to think, what can I do? I say, like, no, 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 it's who I am. You know, if God is our Father, that's all that matters. God is our Father. We are daughters and sons of the King of all kings. That is where our identity needs to go through. And the devil wants to challenge your identity. Okay, the devil wants to make sure there's this, you know, cover over your eyes. You know, you've got the wrong prescription. You can see parts clearly, and other parts just make no sense. But it's our choice to be able to counteract that. And so, for me, my journey has been very much going right. What does God say about me? Not what I see. Well, not what I see about me. Does it make sense? What does God say about me? not what I see about me. And the journey for me has just been, okay, I've got to speak God's words over my life. I've got to speak who he says I am, not what I think I am. Okay, who does God say I am? And this is a challenge you think. Everything around us is trying to... um, So one big thing has been comparison. So if you try and compare yourself to someone else you're going to lose your identity. If you see that, hey, I love what they're doing. They're great. They do this and that. No, no, God's made you. It doesn't matter what they do. It's who God says I am. Comparison can really kill your identity because you're not seeing your worth. You're not seeing your value. And it's not having to go, right, I'm going to be an all black. If I'm just going to be a normal rugby player, I'm useless. No, no, no. You think about you be the very best that you can be. And what it's never about the end goal. It's about the journey of learning. And if you think back to that canvas, God is creating a masterpiece in your life. Because God has made you unique. He's made you special. And there it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. God is still writing your story. And as long as he is our goal, as long as he is number one, that is where our lives will go. And today, I think it's just a moment to refresh and go, right, who am I in Christ? We are daughters and sons of the King of all kings. We are part of his family. We are chosen. We are loved. And God is with us. That there is our identity. That is it fully complete in who we are in Christ Christ. I'm just going to read John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That is our right. 1 John 5, verse 19 to 20. We know that we are children of God and the world around us is under control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only one true God, and He is eternal life. Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I would just want to leave you with a thought that um, I'm going to, Peyton, if you could just put up the two um Sorry, the slide, is my identity based on who God says I am? And I'm just going to leave you with this question and one more question after this. But our identity in Christ, is it based on what we see in the mirror? Is it based on what we think about ourselves? Or is it based on who God says you are? And it doesn't matter if you're five or if you're 95. These same questions the devil's going to challenge you on right through your life. It's going to be a challenge on who you are. And then that, the next slide. Not uh, How much time? Okay, am I letting God's word shape my identity, and how much time am I giving to that? We can spend so much time, let's say, on social media, watching things which we are give, having a, that comparison against who we are. What if we stop that? Put that down, and we read God's word of who He says you are. That you're a child, that you're loved, that He has a plan for you, that He has good thoughts about you. It doesn't matter how we see ourselves, God knows who you are and He loves you, and you are the most unique, special. He sees every one of us in eyes of absolute love. No matter what journey we've been through, know that today you are loved and that you are chosen by the King of all kings.